This is October 10th, 2018, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, Kelly Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents a cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street in Boston. Welcome to another edition of the Bruins Beat. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, here on CLNS Media, and I'm joined for the second week in a row. We're honored to have our, our top-notch intern, Evan Marinowski, who's out at UMass and doing a, a great job with the live tweeting of games thus far and, and all sorts of other stuff on social media for us. Evan, how are you doing, my friend? Great. Two straight weeks. Honored is an understatement. It's uh, incredible that you let me on such a venture. Yeah, it's, uh, hey, you, you do a good job, buddy. And, then, you know, hard work, in my eyes, should get rewarded. So that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, there's with three games into the season. And um, I, I think that the Bruins realize that that's how you get a win. You work hard. And if you don't show up, you get absolutely embarrassed on national TV, as they did in a 7 nothing debacle uh, loss to the Washington Capitals, the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, in Washington just about a week ago. And, you know, I'll eat my crow. I always am willing to do it when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. I thought that the Bruins were going to be able to come in and kind of catch the caps off guard after the banner-raising ceremony and uh, really jump on that that moment, which we did see the caps have. I mean, if we, if we go back quick, we'll just look at that game quickly, and it will segue into the other stuff we want to talk about. But, I mean, if you look at that game – it kind of went as I scripted it. It was, you know, the Caps came flying out. And it's sort of like, you know, the Bruins in that moment needed to be like like Rocky Bellboy, right? And I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm showing my age here, and I don't know how many Rockies you've seen, Evan, but... You I'm know, too young for that. Okay, well, our, our older listeners will understand, and you can look it up. You know, in Rocky Three, when uh, the second time Rocky comes out and fights Clubber Lane, Mr. T... You know, he comes out and he goes, look, I'm going to let this guy exert all his energy and tire himself out, and I'm going to take a pounding, okay, until he can't go anymore, and then I'm just going to jump on him and pounce. So he comes out, and he keeps going, you ain't so bad, you ain't so bad, you ain't so And then he gets tired, and Rocky went to town, and he wins the fight. That's what I was thinking the Bruins could do. And if you remember, after it was 2 nothing, the Capitals – did suffer that emotional letdown. The announcers were talking about, here it is. This is the Bruins' chance. And the, Tuca settled down a bit, but the defense and the forwards in front of him, they, they just never got into it. They never oh, got they into it. That was a preseason game. That game yeah. horrible. And, and I get it. You know what? We kind of should have expected that after the split season they had where, like, half the team was in China and half wasn't. And it's was just, it was, it just a, a mishmash of players. They never really got to play – with their actual team 
for a good two to three games like most NHL teams do. So I'm not making excuses, but you can't deny that had an effect. But still, plain and simple, from the coach down to the players to the goalie, we'll even throw the trainers and the uh, managers under the bus there. They all sucked, and they all didn't show up for the opener. But God, God bless them, the next day they moved on and they stuck to their system. They worked hard. They got a 4 nothing shutout against Buffalo. And, and with a Halak and a 32-save shutout, we'll get into that in a bit. And I then, wrote it. And then Tuca bouncing back on Monday on Columbus Day in a home opener. Wasn't exactly his most spectacular win, but it was. No, it was not. On, a scale, on, not a, scale of, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a 6.5 to a 7. I don't think it was disgusting, but I think it got the job done. But the difference between that start and the one in Washington was – the team in front of him showed up as well. And, and I don't care if Patrick Waugh or Tim Thomas or Grant Fuhr or Marty Brodeur was between the pipes of the Bruins in that game in Washington. They weren't winning that game. Let's be honest. You agree? Yeah. No, I, that game in Washington was a punch in the face. I mean, look, as you said, I looked at the Washington game and I was like, okay, the, they're raising the banner. Teams historically play terrible when they raise the banner. There's a Stanley Cup hangover. The yep. Capitals had a Nine out of ten party, lost. Like none other. They had like a party like none other. And I was like, okay, the Bruins are going to come in. They never play well in Washington. I would take the Capitals nine times out of ten, except for the banner raising night. And, of course, the Bruins go out, lay an egg. The Capitals come out, kill them, K-I-L-L, kill them. And they beat them 7 nothing. I mean, it was it, – it was – on par with the 16-1 to loss that the Red Sox gave the Yankees in Game 3. I mean, it was just so, so, so bad. And none of us saw it coming. No one predicted the Capitals, I thought, would come out and beat them that badly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought they may win, but, I, you know, you never know. But, I mean, it was one of those, you know what, sometimes it's great to get that out of the way real early. And how early can you get? It's the first game. And learn your lessons. And it, it, I think – Going forward, and we saw it right away, and I think it was good that they were able to play the next night and just put that right behind them. But I think as a coach, Evan, you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, well, now I know everything that's wrong with my team, so that's good. And now I know what i got to work on going forward and what i got to keep an eye on. He gave him so many things to dissect that it could, in the end, help them. I don't know, you know, depending on how the rest of this month goes, but if they go on to have a winning record in October – we may look back and say, you know what, that served as a diagram, uh, you know, of, of the, the road they needed to take going forward after it. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, we, we mentioned Tuca there. We mentioned Halak. Um, and I think we said it before. And, you know, we had uh, Halak's agent, Alan Walsh, on a few weeks back. And he said that the Bruins made it clear to Halak and him when they came to him. They came to him. All right. That's, I think, a key element of that whole story there. They came to him right away. They wanted Yarrow the hero. They wanted Yarrow right away. And, uh, you know, they made it clear. This is a 1A and a 1B with Yarrow having uh, an absolute golden chance to seize the 1A slot should Tuka stumble and he succeed. Yarrow's done the job tremendously well in his first chance. Tuka now is, uh, you know, one for one or one for two. So let's see where it goes from here. But, you know, going forward, I still think, you know, and I, look, I said it in a column I wrote, I go, the, the combination of him being such a lightning rod for criticism, for really, he's, he, he's like David Price, 
He, you could say he's like Rodney Dangerfield. He doesn't get the respect he deserves, but sometimes it's warranted. But whatever it is, it's, it's not just from the media and the fans. It's within the organization. And, I mean, you even look at that goal yesterday, and I know they only had four guys on the ice at the time, so that was part of the frustration. But if you're watching on TV, they kept going over to Cassidy there, and he's looking at it like, really? That thing just went in? Really? Oh, is this the zing- the second Zinger yeah. goal? Yeah. was like a five shot from the boards. Yeah. And Char oh, was treating that. Well, you did have Big Z there kind of standing around not doing shit, to be honest. But, yeah. But, look, there's a short leash. Would you agree? And that hit his glove. That hit his glove. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But do you agree with me there's a short leash? Yes. I mean, look – there's a lot of doubt about Tuca in this town. And, you know, it's probably one of the most polarizing Bruins topics on Twitter. Everyone goes at each other's throats about, you know, trade Tuca or not. I mean, I don't think it's that extreme. But I think that they brought in Halak to be close-ish. If you look at it, Halak has been a starter in the past. Now, has he been a good one? He's been really mediocre. But, you know, again, I, it is a good thing that they have Halak to come in against the Sabres that second game. And even though the Sabres, I mean, look, the Sabres are capitals, but they're still a solid team. And I think that, you know, Halak manned the net correctly and sort of paved the way for Rask to have a good, have a solid enough game yesterday against the Senators. So I think in terms of that, yes, there is a, there is a lot more competition than I think we think between Rask and Halak. Yeah. And I I think it's going to be interesting to follow. I think that's one of the, the real, you know, kind of hot-button topics uh, to follow with this uh, Barson Bruins team. And, you know, you look at Tuca, I think I still think he's one of the better goalies in the league. And I think, unfortunately, because of two things, Evan, I, I think get this criticism and this, you know, sort of the Tuca hate, we call it. I think there's two main reasons for that. And one of them I hate. Because in my eyes, if you're a sports reporter or you're a sports fan or both, it's the laziest argument in the world. And that's his salary. Okay? You can't always judge a player. And I know it's just, it's just natural. And it's always going to happen until the end of time. It's never going to change. But I just don't find it to be fair to judge a player based on his salary. Okay? You can't blame him for the fact that you know, if in this case you think it's a, it's a bad salary, well, then it's not Tuka Rask's fault that the Bruins gave him that salary in that contract. It, it, like, if, if anyone came to us and offered us over $7 million a year, uh, it, and even if inside we don't think we're worth it, are we not going to take that contract? Oh, I'd be really honest and say, you know, guys, I don't think I'm worth the $7 million. Yeah, sorry, no. Why don't you just pay me as we go, and we'll figure it out, you know? But I think, but what I think is, I think it's fair to criticize. If you're going to go off salary, I would not criticize Rask, but you can sure as hell criticize the Bruins. Yes, you can criticize exactly. Sweeney. Thank, no, well, it wasn't Sweeney who did it. Oh, that's right. It was Peter Chiarelli, but you Brandy. can criticize Chiarelli for it. Yeah, oh, you could criticize Cam Neely. He's still there. He signed off on it. Right, I mean, Google ratings are low. And now, from what I hear from people within the organization, I mean, he's one of he's one of Tuca's biggest critics in this in this organization. I hear, I honestly, from just from chatter around the team over the last couple of years, I heard that the only real ally that Tuca has is Don Sweeney. Really, I've heard that he didn't have Claude Julien. He doesn't have 
Bruce Cassidy. And when I say he doesn't have them, I'm not saying they're not behind them and, and you know, supporting him, cheering for obviously are because his success is their success. But in terms of who has the least patience and the most patience, Don Sweeney's got the most. And then Neely and Cassidy, from what I'm told, have a lot less. And I think that, you know, that could have been part of the reason for Halak coming in. And it could be part of the reason that if, you know, Tuka lays another egg in this first month of the season, Yarrow Halak is your starter going forward. I, I think ca- you could get to that point. And Cassidy, I mean, that doesn't come as a surprise. Cassidy had, last year had no problem benching Rask. Exactly. No problem at all for Hudobin. And, and obviously no. Rask is the and he, goalie, and he took, he, was took the very, he took a lot of veiled shots at him with the media. I mean, if you go back and you read a lot of quotes last year, he, he took a lot. He even said it yesterday or Monday after that game. He said, yeah, you know, he was good, but I don't know about that second goal. And there were some that there were some wraparounds by the Senators you know, that were just, he was out of position. There was one, and I have it in my head. I don't have a video of it, but. Was it a Dezingle goal? No, it wasn't a goal. It oh, was okay. a save, but it was like a wrap a wraparound and he was in the middle of the net. He was totally out of position. He just got it with his left skate and it was just sitting yeah. there. I think Kevin Miller might've cleared it. I mean, it looked like it was, it should have been in, but yeah. uh, you know, I just, Rask didn't look great. I mean, look, also you have to look at it like this. The senators are a softball team. Yeah. That is a horrible crew of, 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 well, of hockey players. Eh, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, but I also hate playing teams like that. Because they're just they're but this have, early in the season, I feel like they're they no, they're scarier. I think they're scarier now, Evan, than they will be a month from now. Like I don't want to play a team like that early in the season. You know why? Because everybody's basing everything that was basing everything on the topics of the off season, and obviously the Senators were a complete laughing stock, and nobody expects anything from them. They got nothing to lose. Those guys well, I know are that. the loosest team in the NHL right now. Now a month from now. You know, if they're 500, teams are like, all right, we, we actually got to pay a little attention to them. And but they'll, they they'll still suck. No, I'm, Evan, I'm not arguing with you. They definitely suck. What I'm trying to say is I don't think that coaches and teams are game planning for them right now, and that's why they can kind of sneak up on you. That's And true. that's why that I, think, I think yesterday was a bigger win than people think. Like, they say, oh, great, you beat the centers. But that game had trap written all over it, as far as I'm concerned. No, I know. You, know, you got Connor McDavid coming in on Thursday. You just got home from a trip. You had your first weekend home, really, to settle in. You had a few days off. The rust could have settled in. That game had trap. And it's a home opener. You can always come out flat. You never know. You got the pressure of the crap. It had trap written all over it. So kudos on them for getting through it. But I want to just, I want to get my other take on Tuca and see what you think here. The other thing that I don't think is fair and is always going to be an albatross on Tuca is his predecessor, Tim Thomas. Yes, that's a huge factor. And I, and I think that's the biggest one, is that everyone always says, well, Tim Thomas did. Why can't he do what Tim Thomas did? Why can't he be like Tim Thomas was in the playoffs? Why can't he do this like Tim Thomas? You know why? Because he's not Tim Thomas. That's why. Because no one, at least I think for the rest of my short life, or hopefully it's a lot longer. Short life? Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting up there, kid. You never know. But all I'm saying is, I don't think we're going to see another Tim Thomas 2011 playoff performance in this in my lifetime. I don't know. Maybe we will. You know, it's hey, but Tim Thomas once in a while was so much different. Exactly. And if so I don't recall, I mean, you know, 
you know, I, I don't know when you started following the Bruins, Evan, if you were following them closely that year. Just the I mean, start of this year. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to say, like, <laughs> I'm kidding, for I'm a few kidding. years when Thomas was – people went nuts on Thomas. He's so unorthodox. He's all over the place. He makes no sense. He's totally against the norm. He's, he's out there on an island, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? He got the job done, and that's all that counts. And you know what? Forget Tim Thomas. Forget the contract. Judge Tuca on Tuca. If Tuca sucks, then Tuca sucks. If Tuca's good, then he's good. It has nothing to do with the money he's making or his predecessor, Tim Thomas. Would you not agree? No, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, it's very it, – would, I would rather people judge Tuca – off the fact of, you know, from the technical aspect of, okay, you know, there are games that he does not look, that he just does not show up for. Yeah. And little things like that instead of, okay, like Tim Thomas was sort of a one in a million. Like he was so unorthodox, but it worked. Like yeah. he'd come way out of his net. And, you know, there are times it bit him in the ass, but for the most part, I mean, it won the Bruins' the Stanley Cup. But, I, no, I think Rask is – you have to judge Rask off Rask. And I know that sounds really, like, commonsensical, duh, and it kind of is. But people don't use that to judge. Like, I, truthfully, and this is, this is so unpopular, I'm not a huge Rask supporter. I'm not. I, I, I wonder if they will ever win a Stanley Cup with Rask. I'm not ready to say they won't, but I'm not ready to say that they will. And, and that's a very, very valid wonder or argument. I, I, I think there's pros and cons for each side. And you know what else there's pros and cons for each side on, Evan? What? Breaking up the first line. And Bruce Cassidy said it yesterday. You know what? We're going to take a break right now. I want to just tell you, you know, before we go on, Evan, I want to, again, remind our listeners, our presenting sponsor, 1in100.co. That's, spell it out, O-N-E-I-N, the number 100.co. You've got to go there right now, all right? I don't know if you notice. Because I know the Patriots are in full season. I know the Celtics are coming soon. They haven't started yet, though. So let's not forget the Bruins here. And I know the Red Sox are in the playoffs. All right. I get it if this maybe slid under the radar here. But um, on Thursday, there's this guy, you know, Connor McDavid. You might have heard of him. Edmonton Oilers. Um, basically, the Wayne Gretzky of this generation maybe ending, may end up being better. Uh, yeah, he's playing at TD Garden. And you can get absolutely sick seats, okay? If you go to one in a hundred dot co, that's one in and then the number the hundred dot co. You can get amazing seats to this game for less than a pizza or a beer. That's right, okay? If you go there right now, I'm gonna check it out right now, Evan, because I'm telling you. Last I checked, I think it was at about $11 for a raffle ticket. You go there, you buy a raffle ticket, and you are entered in a raffle to get amazing seats to not only just this game, but any Bru- uh, a lot of Bruins games, a lot of Patriots games, Red Sox playoff games, and, of course, the Celtics, including their home opener next Tuesday. Um, so if you go there right now, though, and you want to see Connor McDavid, take a chance, okay? It's only $11, like I said. And that's for a pair of tickets down in section four near the ice. Okay? You cannot beat that. Who knows? You lose $11, you lose $11. But you're not going to end up spending $500 for a pair of tickets like you usually would. 
You can get it for only $11 right now, one in co. Go there now. I'm telling you, you'll regret it if you don't. When that game hits, all right, when that game occurs on October 27th, will, and I don't care what anyone says around the NHL right now, will the best line in the NHL still be the Bruins' top line, or will Bruce Cassidy have broken them up to kind of even off the offense throughout the lineup? What's your take on this, and what's your take on where Bruce should go with this? So I don't want the first line to be broken up. I love the first line. That first line is so goddamn good. I mean, that is the best line in hockey, bar none. However, however, this is going to be a little hurtful truth. I think by the time that game comes around, so end of of this month. So how many games we have before then? So there's seven games until that game. Yes. So I think in these next seven games, this is what you are going to see. Just judging off the first three, the first line has it has contributed to all eight goals they've Correct. Scored. So they've either assisted, scored, or like through a play the previous shift impacted the next goal. Correct. The second line has done zip. Donato has a goal, no assists. Krejci has no goals and one assist, and DeBrusque is pointless. That sounds terrible, but he does not have any points. What's going to happen is that second line is not going to produce. What, what I think the Bruins should and will end up doing, if that, if that does occur, if the second line continues to suck, I think what they're going to do is move Pasternak down so you keep Bergeron Marchand together, you keep Krejci and DeBrusque together because they've worked in the past, and you move Donato up and you bring Pasternak back because Krejci and Pasternak have that connection. And then you could look at, okay, Donato's matured enough at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, and then to have Martian and Bergeron's leadership on that line, that could really work. So I think what's going to end up happening is Pasternak will drop down, Donato will go up. And I don't want that to happen. I love the first line. I want to see them the whole game. But I think just judging off, like, spreading the scoring out, they're going to have to do that. And the fact Cassie, I mean, he's been put on the spot numerous times about this topic, and he won't commit either way. Um and he very much intimated after the game Monday that he's literally on the fence on it. I think you're right. I mean, there's a good chance about it. However, I'm going to tell you another little inside thing right now. Ooh, I'm ready for this. There's some within the organization right now that are getting a little worried about Ryan Donato. And they think he's got a ton of potential. They don't doubt his offensive skills. They don't doubt his nose for the net. Well, kind of. What they doubt right now is can he handle the physical rigors of the NHL compared to college hockey? And is he willing to pay the price? We saw David Pasenak, who would always curl out to the outside and, and be a perimeter player up until probably halfway through last year. You know, we saw him make some great plays so far in this young season. He got back. He, he made a great defensive play. The, yes, he has. The other way against Buffalo. And then we saw him drive to the net on his goal. Uh, or actually, I think it was one of Bergeron's goals, but he created it by driving to the net and paying the price. There's a lot of questions right now within the team, from what I'm told, if Donato can do this. And I think that they're going to really look at that before they – maybe put him up to the first line. However, you made a great point that the person I didn't I talked to didn't make and that I didn't think of. 
is that usually anything you put with Patrice Bergeron turns to gold. So yes. they might look at it's it as a shit say, you know what? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll suck it up if he is going to kind of be a perimeter guy for a bit and maybe playing with Bergeron and Marshawn now um, will help him toughen up and, and, and go to the dirty areas and, and pay the price and create offense that way. So maybe that happens. But all I'm saying is there's some question marks around that. I don't know if it would be Donato because of that, but maybe it will be because of the reason you said but here's my thing. I just say, look, you know what? You're going off on a four-game road trip, right? It's a perfect time to experiment, right? Because if it, That's goes, what happened bad, last year. If it goes bad, you don't have the fans coming down on it. You don't have the, the majority of the media. There's not much media that travels anymore. It's, it's a good time for the team to bond. It's a good time for them to experiment with their lineup a bit. Uh, so I could definitely see that happening on this road trip. But if it doesn't work out and you still determine that you need that depth, Don Sweeney needs to act ASAP on a trade to bring in a scoring ring winger for that second line. I don't mean wait until the Thanksgiving, the American Thanksgiving, when most teams really get a gauge on what they have for a team, and that's when they evaluate, and then they start to look at other options around the league, and that's when you start to see some trades. Don't wait until then. Don't wait until the market you know, is short. Go now when, you know, the demand isn't that high. When other, maybe other teams aren't poking around. Maybe you can catch the league off guard and pull off a nice deal. Don't wait. I say you use this trip and you come back at the end of October. And if it's not solved by then, as the calendar turns to November, you make a deal and, and you make it happen. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really scare some Bruins fans saying this. If you wear contact lenses and find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, then you're going to love Simple Contacts. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very well simple. Simple Contacts lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from your phone or computer in minutes. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are, whenever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online in five minutes. A real doctor reviews it and renews your prescription. You save time, you save money, and you save yourself a headache. And if you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision care for the 21st century. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses, and their prices are unbeatable. The prescription is just $20. Compare that with an annual appointment, which can be up to $200 without insurance, and they have some of the best prices on contacts, and shipping is free. Best of all, my listeners will get $20 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $20 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash BruinsBeat or enter the code BruinsBeat at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $20 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash Bruins Beat, or just enter the code Bruins Beat at checkout. Give it a try and thank me later. Maybe you use Donato in one of those deals. Oh, my. I don't if know. Donato That's can tough. get you a perennial 30-goal score. <coughs> I mean, Pernarin. <coughs> uh, what? what? Um, oh, were you it, coughing there? What yeah. was up with that? <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I had some bread. There's a lot of bread here. Sorry. Yeah, uh, bread yeah. man. Oh, he was referencing a bread yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If he can but no, I, somebody I, like that, I actually, he can do it. 
They have so many prospects, including Donato. I would be totally so fine. I would be totally fine with turning one of those prospects. I right. thought they'd do that with Danton Heinen. I thought they'd turn him yeah. into something, you know, a 30-goal scorer. They didn't this offseason, which I thought they totally wouldn't, totally should have. Um, but with Donato, part of, part of being a GM, you have to not only acquire the prospects, but figure out which prospects are keepable and which should be moved. And yeah. from what you're saying, if they're fed up with his physicality, which we also heard from a guy named Tyler Sagan, which I don't no, agree they're with. They're not fed up with his personality. I didn't say that. No, I but they're, they're fed up him with going to corners. Yeah. Him no. going to corners. He, him going to he is nowhere. It, it is a, I want to make that clear because I don't want people go running with it and saying that I said he's, their, their views are the same as Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan's on a whole other planet as far as what their views were of him and what they were fed up with. It has a lot more to do with off-ice stuff than on-ice. So, oh, no, I just mean okay. physicality-wise. I don't mean yeah. off-ice. God, Donato's a great kid. No, um, he's, he's aces. I mean, he's a class act. He's a great kid. And I, I don't think by any means they, need, they should deal him. But I'm just saying, don't rule it out. He's not on No, course. yeah. But, uh, you know, part of it is judging what talent should stay and what should go. And if they're fed up with him, with the physicality aspect, maybe he's the one to go. So, you know, from what I see... He has a lot thing, of appeal. That's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yes, I, Exactly. I think he has yeah. more appeal than a Danton Heinen. Oh, for sure. But here's the thing, too, I want to bring up, too, and I forgot to mention it. A guy, another guy that could slide in and fill that slot in the second line, he's really impressed me thus far, um, considering he missed so much time with injury, is Anders Bork. I mean, Bjork, well, that's Anders a good point. Bjork, he, I like the way this kid's playing right now. I really do. He's, he's got some jam out there, and I'm, like, I'm really impressed with him, so maybe they Maybe they give him a little, a little whirl up there and see what happens. But I, I've been impressed with him thus far. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. Every night. I think, you know, we just kind of tackled the, uh, the two hot-button issues as the season gets underway. Uh, and, of course, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle one Connor McDavid, uh, you know, maybe shortly after you listen to this podcast. He'll be in town on Thursday night. And then the Bruins welcome the Red Wings on Saturday before heading off on a four-game trip uh, that will take them – out west to Calgary, to Edmonton to see McDavid again, to Vancouver, who, by the way, one of those teams, no expectations, and they're sneaking up, and they're scoring a lot of goals. So they're interesting. I read that in the Globe. They, they stopped playing Fortnite. The Vancouver Canucks have put yes, down the gaming controllers. And Maybe they David Price should take hot. notice. Maybe David oh, yes. Price and Luis Cerevino should take notice. Yeah, well. Uh, and I'll tell you something. Watch that game. I know it's going to be a late one, uh, a 10 p.m. Eastern start. Uh, but they got this rookie, uh, Elias Peterson, man. He is the real deal. He could be definitely uh, getting some hardware with the Calder Trophy uh, come next June. And then they're going to close the trip off against the Ottawa Senators, who they just saw in Ottawa, and then they come home to play Philly in the half. So uh, a lot could happen on this next trip coming up. Uh, but we'll be on again next week, Evan. And we'll uh, be live tweeting all these games. Or and we will. We'll be live tweeting these on at Bruins CLNS, and we urge all our – Follows our listeners to uh, also list, uh, read our stuff over at clnsmedia.com. And, of course, I'll be covering all the home games for you. And, uh, Evan, I appreciate the work you're doing, my friend. Thank you so much. You too. All right. This has been another edition of the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm Jimmy Murphy. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>